0: Hey, this is Tanner Sherlock. I'm the pastor at Shadow State Chi and this is our podcast where our mission is to make disciples who then make disciples. Be sure and subscribe so you can get our content every time we post, and I pray that this message blesses you today. God bless. All right, what's up? Uh, welcome to the podcast today. <clears throat> I apologize. My voice is raspy today. Um, I started losing it last night. I'm not sick or anything. It's just... Uh, my voice just doesn't want to cooperate today, so I apologize if I sound rough or if there's anything that's hard to hear. Um, feel free to shoot out shoot, shoot me a message, um, and uh, I can um, go over anything that's missing. But um, last night I was <clears throat> having a conversation with some friends, and we were talking about the fundamentalist uh, the, the fundamental aspects of faith um, from, um, Islam to Christianity to Judaism. Um, what is at the fundamental basis of what we believe? And, you know, I've gone through and as a, a, a pastor, I believe that it's important that we read the religious texts of other, um, religions, um, for many reasons, but one of the main reasons is so that we can defend our faith. Um, but also so that we can witness to people who are of other faiths. Um, you know, I think some people are afraid to read other religious texts because they think it will influence them. But in my opinion, you know, if, the if God is really real, then he's going to solidify in your heart what, who he is, you know? And so, you know, I don't hesitate to read religious texts like the Quran or, um, the Talmud or, uh, any religious text. I, I actually embrace it as a Christian, but I would say, you know, um, don't just jump into reading, uh, a different religious text. If you've never read the Bible, um, and you call like claim that you're a Christian, you should actually be reading the Bible. Um, there was actually a, a poll that came out recently that talked about how, um, in America, it was like 80% of people who claim, uh, claim to be Christian have No, it wasn't 80%, but it was a high number. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have quoted it without having it right in front of me, but it was a really high number of Christians in America who claim that they're Christians have never actually read through the entire Bible. And I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian, honestly, even if you're not, but if you're searching for Christ, for searching for God to figure out if he's real, I want to encourage you to read the New Testament, Um, start with the New Testament because it's the the new covenant that's laid out before us. But anyway, um, we were talking about how at the fundamental basis of Christianity within the New Testament, how it does nothing other than encourage us to love our neighbors, to love God, to make disciples, um, to be a witness, to give and give abundantly. Um, not only we get caught on the the topic of the tithe, which is 10% of giving, um, you know, in reality, in the new Testament, that's, that's a starting place. Um, the new Testament believers were literally giving everything that they owned over for the benefit of those who have without, um, it, it's an important aspect of the new Testament is giving faithfully and giving fruitfully, um, to ensure that people have, um, and that people aren't going without. And so, uh, we, and we just, it kind of got into a little bit more of a, um, heated conversation. And my friend, um, I don't know if they want me to say their names, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, my friend Johnny was talking about how, you know, if, if God is really real, um, you know, that he would show himself that he would present himself to us. And, and, uh, and I've, we've gotten into this conversation a few different times. And, um, so I wanted to take a day and, and honestly, I'm recording this podcast anyway, so I wanted to really go into the topic of is God really real? I think it's an important topic, especially in American Christianity in American and just in America in general. Um, we're seeing a point where um people are becoming less and less inclined to claim Christianity if they are not actually Christian. And that was kind of what I was talking about with my friend Job and uh, you know, how um, there are so many people that claim that they're Christian, but have no relationship with Jesus. Um, not only in, in reality, but, um, you know, they treat Jesus as savior. That's a fun name. Um, you know, a fun way to, to guarantee we get into heaven. But the thing is about scripture is it, Jesus says specifically that we need to make him Lord and savior. And, um, it, it's impossible for us to make Jesus Lord and not love him. And scripture also says that if we love him, we will keep his commands. So if we keep Jesus's commands, we will love our neighbor and love our Lord, the Lord, our God. And how can we love our neighbor while using the name of Jesus to uh, be racist? Or how can we love uh, our neighbor while using the name of Jesus to um, heap condemnation on them and to judge them and to tell them that they're inferior or that they they've, screwed up and that they'll never get into heaven or anything like that. Like, that's not what Jesus calls us to. In fact, some of the the worst people within the old Testament, um, you know, Jesus would minister to them and, and show them forgiveness was near. It was actually the righteous, the people who claimed righteousness that were the, the people whose heart were closed off to Jesus because they were capable of serving God the way they, they thought they were supposed to serve God um, through their actions, whereas the people who weren't capable of it, the people who screwed up, the people who made the most amount of mistakes in life, and and even going back to the Jews that were, you know, caught up in adultery and were tax collectors and were s- s- some of the worst people, those people, it was easy for them to find Christ because they fully understood the impact of their sins and the, the weight of their sins because they carried the weight of their sins with them every day. It was the people who thought that they were doing good, that were the hardest to reach with the Christ, with the, the gospel of Jesus because, um, because under their own power, they were able to be successful in Scripture also talks about how it, it's harder to fit a camel through the eye of the needle um, than for the rich to inherit the kingdom of God. And in America, we have a problem with wealth. We all are capable of taking care of our own needs without, and going without or, and not going without, we're able to have all of our needs met. And so the, the opportunity for the miraculous is rare, you know, because we don't seek God to provide for our food. We don't seek God to provide for our shelter. We don't seek God to provide because our money, our wealth it helps us to provide all of these things. And even going into the medical world, you know, we have the, the best medical facilities in the world, in the entire world. And it's in, 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 is to the point where our medical facilities are are phenomenal, and I've even you you know gone through having surgery just in this last year um, to fix a patellar tendon in. And so because of our, our abilities on this earth, the, the opportunities for the miraculous are, are fewer and farther in between. And we do see scripturally, or not scripturally, we do see globally, when I talk to my friends who are missionaries, in the more impoverished areas, we see more miracles. And I'm not talking miracles that like, oh my, you know, (laughs) I, I can't verify it, but I feel better, you know, or I'm talking literal medical miracles. I'm talking, you know, literal miracles that we can, we can tangibly prove and assess. Um, we're talking like limbs growing back kind of miracles. They happen at a higher rate in areas which have less ability to take care of their own needs. And, um, that just kind of makes me kind of go back to the scripture of, of Jesus and, and God kind of talking about how he's, he's, he's close to those who are humble. And I tell you what, when you look at a a rich man sitting next to a, a poor man, nine times out of 10, I would say 99 times out of a hundred, the poor man is going to be more humble than the rich man, because he has to rely on, on so many other things. He has to rely on the government. He has to rely on other people. He has to rely on, you know, uh, the rest of his family. He has to rely on other people in order to provide for him. And, um, I don't know, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but, but it is something that we do see that we do see miracles occur at a higher rate in areas that are improv impoverished in areas that are, are um, that you would think, um, you would see less of, honestly, we see more miracles in areas where, um, the predominant religion is not Christianity. We see more miracles in those areas. Um, I mean, for example, China, we see miracles going on. There's a revival going on in China, even though their, their percentage of, of population that are believers is so low. And that's because God really does thrive in those areas. Um, whereas in America, we're, we we we've had our opportunity you know we have the time we have the freedom to learn about god and we still reject him we still turn away from him but that gets me to back to what we were talking about with my friends and and uh going on to the topic of is god really real and i just pulled up a couple scriptures to uh you know to help guide this discussion because I'm good at going off on rabbit trails, especially when I'm recording my podcast and I'm not doing it in sermon form. And I'm just doing a podcast. I can go off on rabbit trails real easily. So, um, one of the scriptures is Hebrew 11, six, which says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I think this is such a powerful scripture because he says, then he rewards those who seek him. Because oftentimes people claim that they're seeking after God when in reality what they're doing is they're saying, God, if you're really real, show up, prove yourself. Whereas God is saying that he shows himself to those who seek him, to those who are earnestly trying to find him, those who actually are willing to humble themselves and put themselves out on the, and just kind of make themselves, um, in a stature of, searching. And so I want kind of want to go into my story a little bit. You know, when I I grew up in a Christian home, but I was never really a Christian. I never really made Jesus my Lord and Savior. Um Jesus was just uh, you know, he was a historical figure that may or may not have existed to me. Um but my family was Christian, so I was therefore Christian. And uh as a Christian, um you know, growing up in America, you know, you go to church on Sunday and then, you know, that was about it. That was the extent of my family's faith. My mom was a Christian, I would say. Um, but the rest of my family was not. And, and those of you guys that know me, you know, my testimony, you know, kind of the the household I grew up in. Um, you know, I was, uh, I grew up in a very traumatic home. We'll just put it that way for, for, uh, the sake of this podcast. If you want to know more of my story, you can go back. I share my testimony numerous times within my podcast, go back and find an episode where I talk about my testimony. Um, but I grew up in a very traumatic home. Um, I was abused and, um, and so I, I grew up with this relationship with God of a, I, I if you're really real, you know, you're, you're going to make yourself real, but I'm going to call myself a Christian because I don't want to go to hell. And that was the extent of my relationship with Jesus was he was quote unquote a savior, but he was not my Lord. And. <clears throat> Um, as a result of the trauma that I experienced growing up, um, you know, I suffered with a bipolar disorder, with borderline personality disorder, with manic depression, um, you know, suicidal thoughts frequently, uh, chronic, chronic depression, which eventually evolved into a um, alcoholism because I began drinking in order to take my pain away, in order to numb the world, in order to, to "quote unquote" be or feel myself. I feel like I needed alcohol, And so I began drinking to the point where <clears throat> I would get blackout drunk, um, four or five days a week. And the other days of the week, I was still probably drinking about half the time. Um, alcohol was a massive crutch and I, and I was borderline getting alcohol poisoning, um, weekly, uh, maybe multiple times per week to the point where I forgot a lot of time because I was so drunk that, um, that the alcohol would wipe out my memory of the night. And then during the day I would just sleep all day. And so it was like, I don't have a memory of a lot of my college career. That point in time, I was able to go to class and get good grades. Still. I don't know how, but, um, but I was drinking very heavily in order to kind of mask those feelings. And, uh, shortly after my 22nd birthday, um, I was a senior, super senior in, in a uh, college run. Oh, no, I wasn't a super senior. Yeah. I was just a senior in college. And, uh, um, I found myself in jail and, uh, and, and when I was in jail, the, the one thing that I asked for, they asked if I wanted any books or anything. There was a Bible on top and I pulled out the Bible. I didn't read the Bible while I was in there. I just pulled it out. It was just the significance of holding on to a Bible. I held onto that Bible. And I, and I just prayed, God, I need help. If you're really real, I want you to show yourself to me. I want you to make yourself be known. That was my prayer. And and I was genuine because I was in a hard place. I was, I hit quote unquote rock bottom. Um, I don't believe people need to hit rock bottom in order to find Jesus, but it, it does help when we come to Christ and we come to God in a humble stature. And I feel like that's what I was doing. I was at that moment recognizing that, that, uh, that I was screwing up, that I couldn't handle my life. It was just kind of that honest moment. But then, you know, I decided, okay, wow. Well, what I'm going to do to get myself out of this hole is I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to quit drinking and driving. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to quit doing all these things. I'm going to get my life back on track and I'm going to start, you know, uh, dedicate myself more to the weight room, which I was heavily dedicated to the weight room at the time. I don't know why I felt like I needed to be there more, but, uh, but yeah, so I dedicated more of my time to the weight room and I was going to work out. and I was going to do all these things. Well, in the reality, that lasted about a week before I needed to drink again because I was an alcoholic and, not drinking and driving lasted a couple of weeks and I began drinking and driving on a suspended license. Um because I just simply couldn't control my life. I was stuck. So fast forward to school starting that next semester and uh um you know and, and I would actually at this point in time I would have began to categorize myself as a Wiccan. Um, I was kind of following in a, uh, family members footsteps as to where they were going about with their life. And I was beginning to realize, you know, trying to seek out God of, of what God is the real God and, and all that stuff. And and so I was, yeah, I would consider myself at that point in time, a Wiccan, I was playing with Ouija boards. I was, you know, trying to, trying to summon God however I could. Um, and, uh, (laughs) I I would say by this point in time, I was probably about as far from God as you could possibly get. I was straight up rebelling against God. I hated God. If he was real, um, I didn't want anything to do with him. I began blaming the things that happened in my life on God. I began blaming my abuse on God on, you know, all these other things. And so if God was really real, he needed to make it up to me kind of thing. And so I hated God. I absolutely despised the idea of God. I was so far from God. Um, that, uh, eventually a friend, uh, tricked me into coming to Uh, Chi Alpha, um, which is a college ministry, which, I mean, if you're listening to this, the title of my podcast is Chi Alpha Campus Ministries because I'm a pastor of Chi Alpha. Um, But uh, I had a friend who invited me to Chi Alpha and I originally went to school at Colorado State and uh, Greek life was pretty big there and I was pretty involved in it. And so my thought process was, oh, this is like a fraternity thing. So I was like, yeah, I'm down. So I'll come to this fraternity thing. And um, as I'm at the student center, getting ready to go to this Chi Alpha meeting, uh, one of my drinking buddies was like, Hey, we're going to a party. and Now you want to come with us? And I was like, yeah, I'll come right after I get done with this thing, this, uh, Alpha thing. And he looks at me, he goes, the church thing, you're going to church. And it was at that moment that I realized that I agreed to go to a church service and not a fraternity meeting. But luckily I was a man of my word. I had already told my friend I would go with them. So I was like, all right, bro. I, yeah. I'll come out drinking after that. I, I told my friend, I would come to this and, and, uh, they kind of laughed. They were like, bro, Tanner, like, <laughs> church like you you're gonna go to church kind of that the the joking mentality of like oh you're gonna catch on fire as soon as you walk in those doors that kind of stuff because like i was so far from god and uh so i went to this church thing and and, uh, they were so welcoming they you know they gave me hugs they whatever and like and no, it was so welcoming. I felt at home. No, it was so welcoming that I actually wanted to leave. It was so uncomfortable. They were so friendly that it just, it came off fake to me, even though they weren't being fake. Like I know though all those people after the fact, but it just, it was like, I didn't want hugs. I didn't, I'm growing up in an abusive, uh, environment. I didn't want to be hugged. It was super uncomfortable for me and I did not enjoy it. Um, in and, and throughout throughout the service, there was just something that just like, I don't know. It's, uh, it, w- it was just like, it was good, but it wasn't like life-changing or anything like that. Um, but during worship, you know, it just kind of like something felt peaceful. I guess I'll put it that way. There was no revelation. There was no like, Oh my gosh, God is really real. Oh yeah. Jesus, you know, nothing like that. It just, there was a little bit of peace. I I felt a little, and I mean a little bit of peace, but when you're caught into a place where your emotions, and your mind are so anti-God, so, uh, resentful, so traumatized, so depressed, so everything that, uh, that even just a tiny bit of peace is, is kind of comforting. That tiny little bit of peace was, was just enough And I was like, you know what? I might give this a shot again next week. And so my friend was like, Hey, you want to come back next week? I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll give it a shot. And I left and I went and I drank and I got drunk with my friends and, uh, um, and so, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't like, Oh, life changed. Cause I went to church. You know, I, I think a lot of Christians always present this idea that, Oh, if, if you just came to church, if you just come to church, you're going to realize God's really real. But like, I went to church and I didn't, God wasn't really real to me at that moment. You know, uh, I went to church and, and I was like, uh, a little bit of peace. You know, and people are like, Oh, if you just read the Bible, oh, if you just read the Bible, you'll know that God is real. And like I, though, I had so much scripture memorized from growing up in a church that like I knew the Bible, I knew the Bible better than my friends who were going to Chi Alpha that were actually Christian and loved Jesus because I'd memorized scripture. The Bible in and of itself is phenomenal but it has to be paired with a relationship with Jesus. Otherwise it's just a text. You know, you can read a psychology handbook and be like, Oh, there's a lot of wisdom. This is great, but you're not going to worship psychology. You know, (laughs) um, I feel like the Bible is kind of the same thing in that in and of itself, if you're not seeking after God, reading it is kind of fruitless. You're not going to, you're not going to find God by reading the Bible if you're not seeking God, if you're reading the Bible in order to hate God, you're going to find things within it that prove your vantage point. You're going to find things within it that prove and defend what your stance is. If you go into it saying that, well, the Bible's anti-woman, you're going to go into it and you'll find a few scriptures (laughs) that it seems like the Bible is anti-woman, but in reality, if you were to actually study it with a, uh, uh, even just a neutral heart, let alone a pro-God heart, you would see that um, the, the Bible is one of the most pro-woman, pro-equality, anti-slavery documents that exists. It was the very first document that ever banned any form of slavery. Because in the old testament it was it was against the law of God for Jews to enslave Jews. And so um, so history has proven that people can warp things to say what they want it to say. And I go into destructing our faith a little bit in some of the past the sermons that I want you to if 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 you're in the process of deconstructing faith and you're really trying to find out if God really is real, uh, encourage you go back. Uh, earlier this year, I, I went through an entire series about deconstructing our faith and doing it the right way and allowing the Bible to tell us and allowing God to show us what the truth is of different aspects of our faith. Why do we worship? Why do we read the Bible? Why do we, you know, uh, all of these different aspects and and allowing the, the, the actual scripture um, define itself versus letting other Christians define it or or letting the historical context of you know the the KKK or Nazis using scripture for their benefit, um, rather than allowing those things to define scripture for us, we have to allow God. We have to allow Jesus to define Himself. Um, and and that's going at it with even a neutral heart, even beyond like a pro Christianity part or a pro Judaism part heart. Um, you know, allowed the Bible to define itself. And and there's some significant things within that. You know, like for example, within the New Testament, the people. The the people who first realized that Jesus was risen were girls, were women, and that was so contrary to the um the 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 climate at that point in time that the mere fact that the women were the first to recognize that Jesus uh, had risen was absolutely against anything that should have been presented. And so if, if, if they were faking religion and they were faking Jesus's resurrection, they would not have gone with women finding out that Jesus was risen first, because that wasn't, conducive to the, the climate, the, 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 the sexist climate that existed at that point in time. In fact, it would have been contrary and they would have never even mentioned women within the new Testament because at that point in time, the, the sexual climate was that women were so inferior that they shouldn't even have been mentioned. But the new Testament within scripture, it mentions women regularly talks about deaconesses and women leaders within the church. And, and there's all these other things in these examples of, of women within the ministry. And, uh, the, the, the power of women in ministry. And so, but again, I'm going off on rabbit trails, but so I go back to my testimony. I, I found uh, a little bit of peace, but that was just enough peace for me to go back. And I go back and you know, and I go back a few more times and then, you know, I'm starting to feel a little more peace. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm, I'm actually starting to sing worship. The first time I went, I didn't even sing anything. I just was there, you know, I'm, I'm beginning to sing worship, but all the while I'm still drinking. I'm still getting absolutely trashed every single night. Basically I'd go to Chi Alpha and then go home and get drunk. You know, um, there was no change in my life at that point in time, even though I was going to church. So just cause you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. I just want you to know that. Um, and all the more so you know, standing in a garage claiming I'm a car doesn't make me a car. You know, you actually have to make Lord Jesus, your Lord and savior in order to be a Christian and you have to follow Christ's commands, you know? Um, but anyway, I digress on that. I talk about that a lot. Um, and so, uh, there was this event that, um, the local church, uh, that I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to church on Sundays. I was just going to our Chi Alpha services, there was an event in which um, they had brought an evangelist and he painted a picture. And while he's painting, he's talking about uh, Jesus. And really all I could focus on was trying to figure out what he was painting. It didn't look like anything. It just looked like nonsense. And uh, and he's painting and, and basically the premise of what he was preaching on was that we have to, we have to repaint Jesus. We have to allow ourselves um, to start with a blank canvas and allow Jesus to paint who he is in our lives. And we have to throw off, you know, everything that everybody else did. We have to throw off that angry church grandma that treated us poorly. We have to throw off the, the, the abusive parent that claimed they were a Christian. We have to throw off, you know, all of these things that we begin to attribute to Christianity. We begin to attribute to God are not actually who God is. And, so we have to allow we have to give Jesus a blank template and allow him to paint who he is um and then at the very end of the service, you know, he flips the painting over and it was actually Jesus. He was just painting him upside down and it's just really cool thing. And, and, uh, and then at that moment you're like, Oh, cool. Oh, that's, that's an amazing painting. Why couldn't I figure out what it was? And that's kind of what he was presenting. Was it like, sometimes the, the image of Jesus is being painted and it looks warped and it looks weird, but when we allow Jesus to show us who he is, it makes sense. And so, um, at that moment, he just, you know, offered, uh, like if, um, if, if you were a kind of person who had any baggage at all, when he came to God to admit it, let go of that baggage and just pray a prayer, a simple prayer, Jesus, I just want to give you a blank canvas to paint on, to show me who you really are, not who others say you are, not who my pastor says you are, who you really are and mean it. Start reading your Bible, start reading the New Testament, start reading the gospels and allow Jesus to paint who he really is to you or who he really is, period. And so I stood up and I admitted that at that moment, I couldn't explain it but I could tangibly feel the weight that I was carrying on my shoulders, that burden of who that, that emotional spiritual baggage that I have been carrying around for 20 years. I could feel like tangibly, I could feel it lifted off my shoulders and the peace that I felt was so overwhelming that I began to weep. I mean, I was bawling and it wasn't just me. The people who were sitting around me, said afterwards, they were like, as soon as you stood up, it was like this presence just hit us and I couldn't stop crying. Like all of us, like all this whole group of us sitting there are just bawling. And I'm not the kind of person who would cry. Like, you know, growing up in my household, like men don't cry. You know, we don't, we don't cry about our emotions. We don't need to cry. I was weeping because I could feel God's presence. I could tangibly feel his presence in my life in that moment. But I still, even in that moment, even though I could feel God was really real, I could tangibly feel his presence. I did not give my life to Christ. I did not give my life to God because Jesus still needed to paint a picture of who he was in my life. But I began to seek him more earnestly. I began to actually read scripture. I began to actually read my Bible. I began to actually search after him. And it was through this process, I began to see who Jesus really was. And Jesus wasn't this historical figure that may or may not existed. Like Jesus was alive and he was showing himself to me and he was presenting himself to me and he was helping me to cope with my life in that moment. And beyond that, the amount of love that Jesus has for us is is palpable. It's it's powerful. But I went to this. uh, So fast forward, I still hadn't given my life to Christ. And we have this winter conference, uh, we call salt and uh, student for student something, st- student, something leadership training. Um, basically it's this conference conference and, uh, in, uh, it's all of the Chi Alphas in the region. So there was like seven, 800 people there. And while we were driving there, um, we actually got stranded on the interstate and, uh, we went into this, um, pub and, uh, to eat cause it was literally the only thing open. And I just remember sitting there craving the alcohol, just like looking at the, the bar going, I could sneak, I could sneak back, get a drink and come back to the table. And the pastor would never even know. Like, I remember, I tangibly remember thinking those things and, uh, I'm going to this church thing. And so we get there. Finally, we missed the first night. We didn't get to hear the first sermon. And, uh, so then the next day starts we, there's a sermon in the morning and it's good. And there's some out breakouts and, and then there's a service in the evening and the whole point of the service in the evening, uh, Sean Smith was speaking and basically he presented it, you know, basically said, uh, um, if you're out there and, and when you were in control of your life, it seemed like everything was out of control like it seemed like you just couldn't handle things in your life or you couldn't do this like i'm speaking to you and and uh you know and, and god's showing you jesus is showing you who he is and tonight he's calling you to give your life to christ i was like you know what that's me that's me and so i i stood up to to give my life to christ and uh and so we prayed, and he's like, "If you want to give your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know, now's the time to do it." And I prayed, and I gave my life to Christ, and and again, that feeling, that just overwhelming feeling, just just came over me. I'm sitting there and I'm weeping and it this actually in this moment spawned one of my favorite sayings was Um If there's no snot it's not real. You know, like and when you're bawling so hard that like yours just snot is just dripping out of your nose and it's just nasty, just snot. You're just totally uh, oblivious to the world around you. You just got snot dripping, like in that moment what you're feeling is real. And <laughs> the love of Jesus was causing that was causing that not bubbles, was causing that emotion because I could tangibly actually feel his presence. And in that moment, somebody comes over and begins to pray over me and they're praying over me in a different language. And I'm thinking, this lady sounds like African, like an African tribe. I'm like, I'm excited to talk to this person after they get done praying for me. And then she, she switches into English and she begins to say things over my life. That there's no way she could have known. I know. I mean, and and, and to the point where I've never ever actually shared with anybody, the words that she said, because they were so personal to me that there is no possible way that anybody could have known those things other than God himself. And I mean, they were specific things. And then she began to pray for me and she prayed, you know, that God would lead me and direct me in my path to becoming a pastor. She actually prophesied that I'd become a pastor at that point. And, um, um, and, uh, and began to pray over me and stuff. And, and, um, that helped to solidify that what I experienced was really real because God then spoke to me. And, uh, the next night there was an opportunity to receive the baptism of the Holy spirit. And, uh, and I was like, you know what, if this is God, I, you know what, I'll just try it. I figure if God wants it for me, he'll give it to me. If not, no big deal. And so, uh, I prayed and, and boom, I'm sitting there praying. I asked to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and I'm praying and boom, all of a sudden my my language is no longer English and I'm just speaking fluently a different language. I don't even know what language it was. I didn't know what tongues was. I didn't know. I didn't even know what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. I never, that was one thing that I hadn't learned because the church I went to was cessationist and they believed that the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for the early church and not for the existing current church, which I, in scripture, I can refute all day, um, but we're not going to get into that. But, um, and immediately I began to hear, hear from God. I began to, I laid hands on my pastor, began to pray for an injury that he had. That pastor had never told me that he had an injury. He never said where his injury was. And I began laying hands exactly where his injury was and prayed for healing. And he received healing. I mean, and half an hour after I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm praying and people, and he received healing in that moment for a muscle that he had torn. Like, um, and I began to get words for people and, and words of encouragement for people. I began to hear from God and I could tangibly hear God's voice. Like that was the craziest thing because and people like you could say, well, you, there was something wrong with you. So you're telling me that at the exact moment that I gave my life to Christ and I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, was the moment that my brain emotionally cracked and I began to hear voices in my head. No, I was hearing God's voice. And since then that voice has led me to, um, pray miracles over people. It has given me insight into people's lives that there's no way I could possibly have known. Same as that lady prayed for me. Same as that lady spoke over me. God has began to give me insights in order to speak to people so that they can hear God's voice as well. Because, because, Sometimes we're so caught up in our own world that we think God owes us to be loud enough that we can hear him when in reality we're not doing anything to search after him. In fact, we are building up more walls than we're tearing down through our process of finding out if God is real because every time that we begin to seek after him, we put up walls in order to prevent God from speaking to us because he almost to create hurdles that he has to overcome because we think that he owes it to us to over the top prove that he is real and make it undeniable. But in reality, what scripture says time and time again, Hebrews 11, 6 says that he rewards those who seek him. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. He isn't saying that I will present myself. I will jump over your hurdles. I will make myself known no matter how bitter, no matter how angry, no matter how hard hearted you get. No, instead, what he is saying is that when you open your heart and you seek me with your heart, I will show you and I will reward you because you are earnestly seeking after me. You are humbling yourself. You are recognizing your place in this world you are recognizing that God is bigger than you are and you are saying God if you are really real I want to be a part of your picture not God you will be a part of my picture you are saying that I recognize my place in this world is not the center of the universe and instead I recognize God that your place in this world is the center of the universe and my life revolves around you and not the other way around when we humble ourselves and we put ourselves into the right perspective when we realize that it isn't about us it is about God that is when God says you know what in this moment I will reward you you and I will show you that I am really real and I will bring you and I will graft you into this family. Because your pride will allow it. Not because God can't. But because our pride is so hard and so heavy and this wall of our pride is built so strong that even when God shows us his presence, our pride prevents us from seeing it. When God performs miracles in our lives, our pride prevents us from seeing it. We begin to rationalize things away rather than going, you know what? This might be God. God, you know what? I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to put myself in the right perspective. I'm going to realize this ain't about me but that's a problem in American Christianity is that we're so wealthy that we begin to think that everything does revolve around us. It's my life. And you guys are just key pieces in my life. When in reality, bro, Christianity is about recognizing that it ain't about me. And I'm going to be a key piece in your life because I want to make sure you get blessed. I'm not looking at you to bless me. I'm looking at how I can bless you. That's what Christianity is about. So I want to share a little bit of scripture as we close in Romans 1. Starts in verse 18, it says, But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature, so that they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God. But they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools, and instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look more, look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth for, about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. Verse 28, uh, seven. And then men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with, uh, with women burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that they should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. So, that's pretty powerful. And it starts off with that section starts off with, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious. And that's the thing. I think even in my relationship with God, I recognize going back that God made himself obvious to me, even in the moments where I didn't believe in him, even in the moments where I was running away from him, even in those moments that I I decided I was angry and hated him and began to look at things like Wicca and and other sources of what God is. I began to look at Islam and and I rebelled against God but deep down I feel like I I knew that God was really real but I had created so many walls and so many barriers to prevent God from showing me that he was real, that it didn't matter what he did. I wasn't going to see it because I created this box. I was walled into this hole and there was no way that I could have seen God's light anyway, because I was so stubborn. And yet still God was willing to tear down a wall to show me that he was real. But it was up to me to tear down the rest of the walls in order to see him more clearly. Because the start of um, Romans 1 says, it's a letter from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promises this good news long ago through his prophets and the holy scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be a son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere that God has done for them, so that they will believe and obey in Him, bringing glory to His name. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus. And I am writing to all of you in Rome, who are loved by God and are called to be His own, His own holy people. May God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. That's you listening to this. You're loved by God. You are loved by God. I'm gonna let that sink in for a second. Jesus loves you. And I'm gonna just say this: I am a I am unashamed. I am not ashamed of the good news of Christ. Because when it comes down to it, I don't want you to believe in Jesus. Because it marks off a check, mark, uh, a check mark on a box of, oh, I need to, to make sure that people believe in Jesus like me. And make, I want you to come into my family and believe the way I do because I need to feel uh, accepted. Now, the reason why I preach Jesus to you and the reason why I share and the reason why I get so aggressive in the way that I preach at times is because I know what it feels like to question God. I know what it feels like to doubt God. I know what it feels like to hate God. I know what it feels like to rebel against God. But I also know what it feels like when God shows me his presence and gives me peace. And I know what it feels like when God heals me. Going back to my testimony after I gave my life to Christ, I have never suffered from bipolar disorder, depression, manic depression, or a borderline personality since then. I have also never craved alcohol since that day that I was uh, that before I went to that retreat and I saw that alcohol on that wall, literally on the drive home, we stopped at a place that had alcohol on the wall and I, and I had zero cravings for it. I can be around alcohol in and, and not crave it. I do not crave alcohol. I have not craved it since that day. I, I have not struggled with depression. I have not struggled with bipolar, uh, bipolar disorder. I have not struggled with a borderline personality disorder. In fact, I've been healed. I quit taking my antipsychotics and my antidepressants, Had suffered no side effects from stopping to take the medicine, as well as I have suffered no side effects from them. I have not struggled with depression. I don't need anything to cope with my depression. Uh, I wanted to say that people have bad days and good days. Like since that time, I've lost both my parents, both my parents have died. Yeah. that time it was hard. It was sad, but I wasn't depressed. I wasn't depressed. That's different. And so I've been, I was instantly healed of all those ailments and all those struggles, but beyond it all, I felt God's presence. And so going back to the principles of what I'm talking about today is, I want to encourage you rather than having a heart and a stance of God needs to prove himself to me. Instead, I want to challenge you, humble yourself, seek after God with all your heart. And I'm talking, seek after him with all your heart, begin reading the Bible, begin praying, begin seeking God and asking him to show himself to you. And if in a six month period. God doesn't show himself to you. You can come back to me and you can tell me, I told you so. But I'm not talking building up walls and making God break down those walls. I'm talking, you break down those walls and then ask God to show himself to you. Seek him with your whole heart. Because what scripture says time and time again, that you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your heart. Without faith is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. It doesn't reward those who build up walls and try to make him jump over hurdles. It rewards those who seek him, and I want to encourage you, actually seek after God with your whole heart, and he will. He will show you that he is real. Lord, I pray for whoever is listening to this right now, God, I pray that their heart would be softened towards you, Lord. I pray that they would hear your voice, Lord, that there would just be something within their spirit, within their heart right now that just says, you know what? Maybe this guy is real. Maybe Tanner, maybe this guy Tanner is legit. Maybe what he is saying is right. And I want to admit right here, right now that my painting of who you are, Jesus, is warped, skewed, and upside down. And so beyond anything, beyond where I'm at, beyond where you're at, what I want to do, God, I just want to pray, Lord, I'm, I'm letting you paint yourself. I'm admitting that that painting is skewed. And I'm just saying, Lord, paint your own picture on this canvas. Show me who you are. paint this picture yourself, but I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to admit that I need to start with a blank canvas and I'm going to throw off and I'm going to allow you to repaint yourself. I'm going to, I'm going to repaint Jesus in my life and I'm going to do it based off of who you actually are, not who my past experiences has told you, you. You are told me you are Lord, I pray that that would be their prayer today. Lord, I pray that you would help them in that prayer, help them to, to make that prayer their own. And Lord, I just pray for the person listening to this right now, Lord, that that You would bless them tremendously. The Lord, I pray Your presence would fall upon them right now. In the name of Jesus, I command that, or I, I ask uh, Your presence to fall upon them, Holy Spirit. I just pray that You would show them Your tangible presence in this moment, and I pray that their hearts would be humbled and that they could seek You earnestly, Lord. And beyond that, I pray that they would feel that little bit of peace that I'm talking about. Maybe you're not going to overwhelm them, but Lord, I pray that they would feel that little bit of peace. It's that little morsel of who you are this moment. It is in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.